0: Thank you, man. Thank you. All right. Well, hello. Hello. Okay, there we go. Yes. That's what I like. That's what I like. (laughs) And Jesus. (laughs) Well, uh, if you don't know me, my name is Johnny. I serve as the student ministry pastor here at First Methodist Mansfield i uh, thrilled that you have joined us, uh, have chosen to join us, have uh, been bribed into joining us, have been tricked in some way, some fashion, uh, paid, um, or you just are lost. I don't know, but welcome. I'm thrilled you're here. Uh, and for those of you, especially if this is your first time here, uh, I really want to say welcome to you as well. And if I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'd love to do so immediately afterwards. Last week we began our new series. Uh, called Naked and Afraid. It's our annual sex series that we do. Um, so again, I apologize for those of you that didn't know that this was coming, And but welcome to the awkwardness, welcome to the uncomfortableness that this is. Uh, I promise you, though, that if we just embrace that, like we did last week, you just embrace, this is going to be awkward, he's going to say some really awkward things, just embrace that, then it gets much better, uh, honestly. Um, we We do this, we dedicate a time each year, uh, to really diving deep into the design that God, that God has for sex and love and relationships. We do this because we find that it's really important. I mean, that we need to remind ourselves that God designed this with a purpose, that he designed it to be great. He de- he gave us this gift. Um, so we, we kind of talk about it to, to learn how to use it. Um, and if we don't, it makes it seem like it's a, Kind of a dirty thing or something we shouldn't talk about. And and instead, it's something to be celebrated. So that's what we want to do here. Uh, We want to talk about it, how it's designed, and and how it's best used. Uh, I wanted to remind you of a few of the goals we laid out. So if you weren't here last week, here are the goals. If you were here last week, I would love to remind you of them so that we can all stay accountable here. That our ultimate goal is to reclaim the idea that sex is purposeful and meaningful, it's not simply a physical act, nor is it trivial. In order for us to fully enjoy sex, we must understand how it was intended to be enjoyed. Right? If you, and, and that's true of anything, really. Like, he, you get the coolest toy in the world. Like, I watch uh, my son, my three-year-old Charlie, get new toys, and he doesn't know how to play with it. And he's, oh, I'm having fun with this. This is cool. And I show him how you're actually supposed to play with that toy. And he's like, oh, my gosh, my world has changed forever. Like, this is amazing. You know, that, that's really what we're trying to do here is understand more about what God has designed and how it was created to be enjoyed. Um, Another goal is for us to establish purity as a pathway to intimacy. This is really what we're going to talk about mostly today, um, is what intimacy means and what what that means to have purity as that pathway. Um, uh, This word we'll talk a little bit more about tonight. Thirdly, uh, we want to provide you the tools to succeed. Uh, It's not enough for us to just talk about the Bible, to spew out a few Bible verses and say this is what God says, Um, but we need to provide you with Practical tools, things that you can when you leave this place, you can actually implement implement in your own life to become successful to get to the goals that you want uh, to have <clears throat> so we want to make sure you 're equipped um, and, and, and equipped in such a way that you can really follow that path right that you can follow that pathway that way you can reach true intimacy one day that you can uh, enjoy sex as the beautiful, fearless, powerful gift we talked about that last week, fearless. Gift that it is, and lastly, we want to do all of this without the use of guilt, fear, or shame. Instead, we aim to be direct, gracious, and hopeful. No one is beyond God's love and grace. And if you have come here tonight thinking I've already messed this whole thing up, I don't even know why I'm here, I don't know why I should listen, know that it's never too late. Uh, that God is big enough. That that grace is big enough and expansive enough. That uh, that nobody is a lost cause. This is this is for this is messages for everybody here, no matter what. Uh, where you find yourself on that spectrum. So if you missed last week um, or you fell asleep last week, um, you can find the messages um, on our website, firstmethodismansfield.org slash media. All of our messages from all of Wednesday nights that we do here get uploaded there. You can listen to them as many times as you need to. Uh, Share it with a friend if you want. Uh, But they're all archived there if you need to go back and listen or share it with a friend. Um, Quick reminder, last week we talked about sex being spiritual. That sex is a spiritual thing. It's not simply a physical act, um, but that it is spiritual. And that we're surrounded by a culture that tries to convince itself uh, that we're nothing more than animals. And that sex is simply a physical act based on our basic animal instincts or urges. But we know, as we read in, in in the Genesis story, in the creation stories, we know that we are more than just animals. That humans were created a little different, a little deeper they have a piece of god in them we we talked about the the verse that paul uh, in one of paul's letters that, that did you not know that your body is a temple it houses the holy spirit that there's a piece of us in there there's part of us that's deeper and that we are not just the sum of our urges we're not just the sum of our instincts that we we live higher than that and we have the ability to rise above simple urges And that when we treat sex as simply physical, we rob it of its power and its beauty. It just becomes procreation. But, you know, instead it's it's something that is bigger and better than that. So tonight we're going to talk about three things. We're going to talk about nakedness. We're going to talk about marriage. And we're going to talk about duct tape. Now, don't call the cops or be afraid. <laughs> the, uh, it, there's no reason to be scared. This is all going to make sense in just a little bit. But these these are the three things that were really, I knew that would be really funny. Thanks. I had to run that by my staff. I was like, is this funny or is this terrifying? I don't know. <laughs> all right. So before we go any further, there's a couple things we need to establish tonight that will help. That will help this make sense. <laughs> Okay? So think of these kind of like puzzle pieces. I'm about to hand you a couple puzzle pieces. Just hold on to them, and then I'm going to tell you how they go together. Okay? So uh, the first one is this. I'm going to say the word naked a lot tonight. All right? So that's a warning, first and foremost. But secondly, I want you to know what I mean when I say the word naked. All right? There's, well, naked is to be exposed. Right? Duh. (laughs) Uh, Naked is to be exposed... And I know you're thinking, duh. But we're going to call that naked. All right? That's naked. Um, But naked, naked. Um, That's how I said it when I was younger. Um, But naked is to be exposed not only physically, but also also emotionally and spiritually. Naked is to be exposed physically, emotionally, and spiritually. It's to be uncovered. It's to be seen. It's to be known. Even places where the sun don't shine, right? Like, that's what naked is. Is, there, is that an old man phrase? Does nobody know that phrase? A man is shaking her yet, head yes. You never heard that? Where the sun don't shine? Okay. But if you think about that, think about that also in the context of your spirit and your emotions. Those deep places, those dark places that you bury or that you hide. That you're afraid maybe that if somebody knew those things, they may not love you or may not be your friend anymore uh there there's an element of humor there but there's also an element of truth about exposing those parts of us that are really deep and we're not really sure if we want other people to see that stuff uh that's what naked is it's to be intimate it's to be known um so that's the first one naked puzzle piece number 2 different relationships require varying degrees of intimacy depending on their level of commitment Right, It's kind of a long sentence, but relationships require varying degrees of intimacy depending on their level of commitment. Let me illustrate this for you. You share about 1% intimacy with the random stranger that you drive up next to on the highway right, or that you walk past on the street. Uh, you share about 1% intimacy because you may or may not look at them. You may or may not give them a the little hi. You may or may not give them the... <laughs> But chances are you're just gonna walk right past them you're not gonna say anything you're not gonna do anything you just the the only thing y'all have in common is that you walked past each other like that's it you share about one percent intimacy there you might share a little bit more uh, with the barista at Starbucks especially if you go there enough they <laughs> you may you may go there enough and you may exchange some small talk you uh you may even know each other's name right so you're getting close like you're we're, we're connecting here. Uh, there's there's different levels of intimacy, right? And so it's all about how much of you is exposed to that person. The, the passerby, random passerby, basically nothing. Person at Starbucks, you're letting them a little deeper in. They may know your name. They You see them. They may know that you go to school and what school you go to. But they're all different. And then there's your friends. There's your teammates. There's your bandmates. There's the other people in choir and... Um, in theater with you, there's your best friend or friends, there's your parents, etc. And each of these things have different levels of intimacy, different levels of being known by that person. I really wanted to make one. Please don't tempt me to make charts, because I would love to make charts. I'm really trying to go past this though. Uh, so the more commitment there is, the the more deeply committed you are in that relationship, the more trust you put in them with the parts of you um, that you may not trust to other people. Tracking with me here? Uh, the the more trust you have, the more deeply committed the relationship, the more of yourself you're willing to expose to them. And 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 that's what being intimate is. And and so we know that based on the relationship, that it requires varying degrees. Of that intimacy, which leads me to number three, marriage is the ultimate act of commitment. Marriage is the ultimate act of commitment. Uh, It's a covenant made between two people that they will forsake all others. That's something you say in the wedding vows. Will you will you honor her? Will you be faithful to her, forsaking all others? Will you forsake all others and be faithful to each other in spirit, in heart, and in bed? Will you be faithful? Put this person above all others. This is the most intimate, most committed relationship you're in. So, inside this covenant, there's safety to be fully known, to be fully exposed to the other, and to know that they can handle it, to trust that they will love you, to trust that they signed up for you. (laughs) You know, you quite literally sign documents that say you're married. You know, that's what this is. And inside this covenant, there's no fear and there's no shame because that's what you enter into. So, with all this, there's your there's your puzzle pieces, right? Let's dive into the Bible. Let's check out what it has to say in there, and you'll start to see some of these things that we're talking about rise up. So, if you look in Genesis chapter two, last week we were in Genesis chapter one. Genesis chapter two is the very next chapter, uh, and it's it's a retelling. It's a retelling of the creation story. So there's everything's been created, uh, but now we kind of magnifying glass on the creation of humankind, right? So we had this big picture creation by just the days. Now we're taking a magnifying glass to the creation of humankind, right? So this is how the writer says it. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he could name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and the beasts of the field. But no suitable helper was found, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed it up, and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she <clears throat> was taken out of a man for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they were unafraid. so you find that that last little bit in genesis twenty four and twenty five or chapter two twenty four and twenty five so God creates everything he calls it good, except for the fact that we were alone, that the man here was alone. And then God proceeds to create the new and uh, an improved version of what he had already once created, right? No, I didn't get any women amens out of that, right? So he looked at it and he's like, man, I made this, but now I know how to make these a little better. So I'm just going to make the little better version uh, of the man. So he does that, and, and God says, ta-da, <laughs> And he was like, oh, my gosh, whoa. You know, and, and, and there you have it. Uh, there, there's man and there's woman. And, uh, and then the two are united, and they become one flesh, naked and unafraid. Naked and unafraid. And that's the hope, is that one day we will let everything in our life take a back seat so that we can be united. That we can become one flesh with someone and be naked and be unafraid. Now remember, I'm going to say that word naked a lot tonight, but remember what it means. It's not just physical, it's emotional and it's spiritual as well. It's the head, it's the heart, it's everything. It's, it, it's, it, naked is being fully known by somebody and then being unafraid because you know that you have signed up for each other. And there's a covenant that you have made. So, but this still begs the question, why, why do all you crazy Christians say that you should wait for marriage... Uh, before sex, sure, sex is a spiritual thing, but why is it specifically designed for the covenant of marriage, right? So that, this is the question I once asked myself. Um, this is the question I know a lot of you ask yourself, so let me lay it out for you. Sex serves three functions, and, and we often, often only think about the first two. Sex serves three functions. One, it's pleasure. Uh, two, it's procreation. Um, and three, it's bonding. And often we either choose to ignore or we don't even know that that third one exists. These are the three functions that sex serves. And and honestly, probably the most important one of those three is the third one, bonding. Scripture says that the two are united and become one flesh. That they are joined together, bonded, united. They become one. The two people get physically naked and unite their bodies, but they also unite souls. So what's really interesting is that you read the scriptures, and for thousands of years, people have been reading these scriptures, and people have been preaching this, and then you, you find a, a world that collides with with that, and 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 says, "Oh, well, that's just Christians, and they're just prudes, and they don't know, and you know, sexual revolution and freedom, and da 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 da." da. Well, it turns out as they as more and more research is being done, as more sociologists and psychologists are taking surveys and doing research, they're finding out that. The more you actually adhere to this, there is actually some some evidence um, that, that would say, that would suggest that this is probably the best way to go. Um, so, uh, one of the things I was reading recently, uh, it says, During sex, especially at the climax, the brain gets a rush of this hormone called oxytocin, right? So, if anything I say in here is incorrect, we have a doctor in the house, and you can probably ask them, and they, he'll probably set you straight. But uh, oxytocin, it's this hormone that does a lot of things. It de-stresses, it engenders trust, but it also um, aids in bonding, right? Uh, it plays an important role in this intimacy and this bonding. Coincidentally, this is a, um, a hormone that's also released uh, during childbirth. It, uh, it, it's kind of, you know... One thing that helps explain why mothers bond with their children. This oxytocin I, is is released. Um, so our brains, consequently, are getting this rush of this bonding hormone uh, during sex. And, and the synapse, you know what a synapse is? It's this bridge. It's a link in your brain that connects two bits of data, two bits of information. And so when you have this one thing happen, uh, then you connect it to whatever your environment or your surroundings are, Right? So you create this link. I know, this is super nerdy. I'm sorry, I warned a few of you that this was going to happen, but I just had to nerd out a little bit. And and that happens. It creates this link. It creates this this bond with this person. And and you start associating this person, even though you may have treated this act as simply a physical act, something chemically is going on in your brain and, and it is connecting you to this person. So, as such, even from, a, even from a strictly scientific point of view, sex is a deeply bonding experience. But if the partners, the two people engaging in this, uh, aren't committed to each other, the, the severing of this bond, this newly formed bond, can be psychologically damaging. It can lessen the bond that is created uh, with sex. So to, to talk more about that, or to maybe use an example, I don't know what I did with that. I think I lost it. Was it up here? Did somebody move this? Anyways, duct tape, right? So, it's on the drum set. That's where I set it. Oh, behind it. Jefferson, moving my duct tape. So, duct tape, right? Duct tape is this magical substance that bonds things together, right? If you need something fixed, what do you use? Duct tape, right? I mean, you could use other things, but you know that duct tape fixes everything. Uh, I I once went to school with my pants all duct taped up because they ripped right before I went to school and I was like shoot and so like I had to duct tape like around this leg it was really awkward but whatever you know <laughs> I didn't have a girlfriend back then so you could do whatever you want right <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you have this magical substance you have this thing that that bonds things together it holds stuff together and, and casual sex. Uh, encounters with multiple partners is like taking this duct tape and then sticking it to something. But then ripping it off and sticking it to something else. And then ripping it off and sticking it to something else. And pretty soon after a while of doing that, what happens to your duct tape? It starts losing its stickiness, doesn't it? This thing that was so magical, that worked so well at bonding stuff together, that just glued stuff together, when you continue to sever that bond and then try to reattach it to other things, pretty soon it stops sticking. It's not as strong as it used to be. And you wonder, why the heck is that happening? Well, duct tape wasn't designed to be used that way. It wasn't designed to be stuck to all different things. It was, it was designed to, be cho- to choose one thing to bond together and then let it do its job. Let it bond them together. And when we try to treat sex as just casual, as just physical, and we just throw it around, that's, that's, what, that's what can happen. So this idea of becoming vulnerable, uh, of knowing one another and allowing another to know us starts to mean virtually nothing because we've completely revealed ourselves to just so many people. And then one day when you really want that connection, when you really want to be known and, uh, and be close to somebody, there's parts of other people that are attached to you as well. That come with you. Sometimes we call that baggage. That's what happened. It follows. So people talk about hooking up and having friends of benefits. And, you know, it's just a physical thing. Sex becomes uh, not the culmination of some deep, meaningful relationship. But instead, just the end in and of itself. Like, that's the goal. If if sex is just the goal, that's how you end up treating it. But instead, the goal is intimacy. The goal is to share with this person something that you will share with nobody else. Emotionally, physically, spiritually. And sex becomes part of the glue for that. So, question. Are you a bad person if you've been with someone before you're married? No. You're not. We are all humans. We all desire... To be close. We desire companionship. We desire intimate touch. We, we do. And it takes an extraordinary amount of restraint and self-discipline to not experience sex before marriage. An extraordinary amount. But that doesn't mean it's not worth it. That doesn't mean it's not worth it. Because there is more for us. So, how does this apply to you now. Well, if you're not dating or have no plans on dating, we have a whole night of awesomeness that is centered around the blessing that it is to be single. And, and we'll talk about that. I know you, some people giggle. Seriously, though, uh, that, that we'll, we're going we're gonna to spend a whole night on that because there's so much good stuff there, and that's going to be next week. But tonight, if you are dating, or have plans on dating, or, or wish you were dating, um, here here are some things. Here's some practical tools. Here's some things that you can do now to set you up for success. And it's in two things. One is preparation. One is while you're actually dating. So the first thing is this. We start with the preparation, right? Preparation is this. First to know that somewhere out there is your future spouse. Some of you may be here with somebody you're dating. If we If we look at the odds, it's not going to be them. Now <laughs> looking at each other like, oh gosh, right, right, I just ruined everybody's night. But your future spouse is out there. Heck, they may be sitting right next to you. Who knows? But your future spouse is out there. First, to acknowledge that that person exists, and then to begin to think, are they preparing themselves for me? And then. The deeper question, turn it around. Am I preparing myself for them? See, I, I wish I would have asked this question more um, leading up to, to meeting Holly and then eventually being married to Holly. But when I first met Holly, I, I was still a boy. Like, I wasn't a man yet. You know, I, I wasn't taking care of my finances. I wasn't mature. You know, there was so much of me that was unprepared to take care of her. And I don't mean in the, you know, oh, you just sit back and do nothing, and I'm going to do everything. I mean, like, emotion, to be there for her emotionally and spiritually, to lead her, I, I was not ready. I had done zero preparation for, for her. To recognize now that your future spouse is out there and to begin preparing yourselves. Girls, to prepare yourselves. Guys, to start preparing yourselves to becoming the person that they're looking for. To become that type of person. Picture in your mind now, what what is does what is your future spouse look like? What kind of person are they? What does their faith look like? What, how are they going to treat their kids? Think about those things. And then think about, am I the type of person now that that person is looking for? And if not, maybe it's time to start preparing our, ourselves. Maybe it's time to start making some changes. Here's the other thing. The other thing is to know your boundaries. To know... Um, how far is too far for you to begin to define for yourself? Here's here's the line, and I'm not moving past it. This is just with you. What is your what is your boundaries? And and I know a lot of you have these questions. Well, how far is too far? You know, is is oral sex still sex? Well, it says sex in it, but is it really sex? Like you know, uh, let me. The easiest way for me to answer this is, one, if you already think it's too far, it's too far. If you're asking me the question, then the answer is yes. Um, if it says sex in it, then it's sex, okay? Um, and and I, I want you to know that if you want to draw the line here, then you really need to draw the line about two steps in front of that. It's what we call a guardrail. Do you know what a guardrail is, those of you that drive? There's a bridge, and there's like the shoulder Then there's the guardrail, and then there's death, like on the other side, right? And what a guardrail does is it protects you from going over that edge. So what you're doing is you're setting up a guardrail. So, for example, you say to yourself, my boundary's here, you know, and so what I'm deciding to do is I may choose to not have other girls in my bedroom. If I do, maybe maybe that's fine. Maybe I have a really small house and that's really only the place we can get away from my annoying younger siblings. So we go to my bedroom, but I'm gonna keep the door open. We're not gonna both sit on the bed at the same time. If if she's sitting on the bed, I'm gonna sit on the floor, you know. Because pretty soon what happens is we've decided that we're just, oh well, this is harmless. We're gonna sit here and we're gonna watch a movie, but then it starts getting late and somebody starts getting tired, start getting closer, it's kinda cold, it's warm up, you know. All of a sudden <laughs> you find yourself, right? All of a sudden, you find yourself like, what the heck? How did we get naked? Like, you know, like this. That's how that stuff happens. Because let me tell you, we talked about this last week. Our sex drives, our sex drives are so strong. and pr- it's, it's like standing on a really steep gravel hill. You start peering over the edge. You think, how close to the edge can I get? And all of a sudden, you start to slip on one rock. That slip makes you slip on something else. And all of a sudden, you're just tumbling down. That's what happens. So you draw the line. Instead of saying, how close to the edge can I get? How far is too far on this cliff? I just say, you know what? I'm going to just stand behind this chair. (laughs) Now I know I won't fall off. I'm terrified of heights, right? Something something happens when you get up really, really high. Like it feels like the ground is moving. Anybody else? Man, just me? Yeah. You start feeling kind of like, it's, it's almost like, you know, I'm standing here on the edge of this right here. No problem. I have no fear of falling off. I don't think I will fall off at any point unless somebody comes and pushes me. But if this were 50 feet in the air, somehow I feel like I'm just going to go, ah, you know. <laughs> I'm just going to just fly off somehow magically. That's what boundaries are. Boundaries are understanding before you ever get to that place of temptation. Understanding what your goals are and what you, who you want to be and where you want to be. And then drawing that line way back so you don't walk up to the edge of temptation because you don't win that battle. Eventually it wins. Eventually it gets you. So drawing that line back. Know your boundaries. Okay, that's the preparation part. Then comes to the while you're dating part. If you're choosing to date, if you're choosing to be with somebody, there's a couple things, whether guy or girl, that you need to know about it First, Beliefs are very important. Your beliefs, their beliefs, it's very important that those match. It's very important. Uh, I, I've seen too many people um, start dating people, and then all of a sudden, uh, they, they were a really strong Christian, they loved church, they started going, to, I mean, they, they were ch- at church every week, and all of a sudden they start dating this person, and then I never see them again. And... I always thought that was really weird to me that they got this boyfriend or they got this girlfriend and all of a sudden they never come. And then all of a sudden they broke up and here they are back again. I was like, oh, hey, welcome back. And obviously, church, always welcome, always open arms. I'm so excited to see them. But I thought to myself, why, if if church was something, if God was something that was so important to you, why would you date somebody that would take you away from that? Why would you date somebody who made fun of that or thought it was stupid or encouraged you to do anything other than that? If, if God, if church, if, if your faith is so important to you, you need to find somebody who it's very important to them too. So that you can build each other up in the faith. Beliefs, very, very, very important. Right next to that, as you have your boundaries set, is then to communicate those boundaries. These are my boundaries and these are my intentions. I'm really excited to see where this goes, but this is where, I just, I need you to know that this is me, this is who I am, and this is where I draw the line. This is where the draw, and if they can't respect that, bye. I'm worth more than that. I'm worth more than that, and I know that there's something ahead that I really, really want, and I'm not going to let you mess that up for me. Draw that line, let them know where that line is, because if you don't tell them, they're going to walk right into a wall. Let them know this is here, and then they'll go, you know what? We share the same beliefs. We have very similar morals. I, I agree with that line. And now you've got two people staying away from that line. Y'all are going to have the most awesome dates because you're going to be on the opposite side of the room like, Hey, we drew the line right there, you know. Our line is when we go to the movies, we have six people sit between us. Uh, but you have, you have a partner in this. You have somebody who understands where that line is, and you are working together to not cross that line. That's very, 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 very important. There's another thing. This kind of went along with what we talked about in our How to Be Happy series. But this person needs to, to get along with your friends and family. It's a really important thing. We, we talked about that when, when you have good friends, when you have true friendship, that it, it doesn't need to be secretive. Like a true friendship doesn't need to be secretive. If you have to be secretive about this friend and the things that you do with this friend, then that's not a true friendship. They're taking you in a wrong direction. Same goes for a dating relationship. Uh, the, introduce them to your parents. Bring them around. Let them know who they are. Being open and honest about them. Because if you have to be secretive about this person, that's a red flag. They need to be sure to get along with your friends and family. You need to um, introduce them there. The last thing is that they honor you. That they honor you. This goes for guys and girls. That they honor you. That you're not with somebody who keeps wishing you were somebody else you're not with somebody who constantly drags you down, who beats you down, who, who talks bad about you. That you're with somebody who lifts you up, who honors you. Girls, that you're with a guy that treats you, how you w- with what you're worth. That treats you like a creation of God. There, there's something that Rob Bell says in one of his books, that um, how you treat um, creation uh, says a lot about how you think about the creator. They better honor you, because if they're not, they're not worth it. You're worth much more than that. Honor. So, sex is designed to have a real impact in our lives, real big impact. impact. And if we trivialize it, if it become if it becomes only about pleasure and, and release, as wonderful as those things are, uh, it no longer functions the way it was intended to function. It loses something. Something that once cemented us together no longer does that as well as we, we we think it should. We have defeated one of the most important purposes that sex has. Here's the deal. Uh, w- we said this last week, so if you're missing that, you, sh- you should hear it again anyways. You know, God created this, he, and he knew. like It wasn't like he was surprised that we humans figured out how to do this. Uh, he he created this he created it beautiful and wonderful and he created it with a purpose and and to have meaning and and sure we can anybody can have sex and it's it's physical it's mechanics you can figure that out anybody can do that but but to to really enjoy it the way it was created um not many people know that that exists anymore and that's why we're here we're here to talk about how, that that it exists this is what it was in, uh, intended for this is what how it's intended to be enjoyed and we hope that you make that decision to to have that. That's what we want. Um, we can't be with you every second of every day, and nor should we be. But we just want to lay this out for you how God has intended it, and hopes that you see the beauty that He has for you, the value uh, that He has placed on you and your relationships, and that's what we want for you. Like I said before, if if if, if you've been with somebody before you're married, you're not a bad person. That that happens. Uh, people have done that forever some of you in this room may may not have even signed up to be a christian so honestly you haven't even signed up for all the rules that we we throw around as christians either but i'm telling you even if you're not even if you don't believe in god even if you haven't decided that you know jesus is somebody you're going to follow i'm telling you this is good there's people that are, that aren't christians that are doing research on this that are saying the same thing we want you to have that you're not a bad person and that starting now starting now grace is big you can start now it's not it's not lost forever it's not messed up forever start now reclaim that sex is purposeful and meaningful and it can be that again but you have to decide great sex is waiting for you but will you wait for it let's pray Gracious God, we thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for all these these students that have come to be in your presence, God, and that, you know, have been brave enough to come and listen uh, to an old guy talk about sex and, and the plan that you have for that, God. But I just know that this is a, this is a topic that is important to you, uh, and it's important to us. We want to get it right, God, so we just pray that you give us the strength and the courage to To walk this path of purity so that we can get to that true intimacy one day, God. That we can share something with our spouse that not many people get to share these days. A fearless, unashamed, passionate love for one another. We thank you for that. We thank you that you created that, that it exists. And we just pray that you be with us as we walk that path to get there. In your name we pray. Amen.